0: This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 9, Episode 8. The California Recall State of Play. In conversation with Laurel Rosenhall, political reporter with Cal Matters. On Saturday, July 10th, California Secretary of State, Shirley Weber, who serves as the state's chief election officer, confirmed that more than 40 candidates for governor had submitted complete files to run in the September 14th recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom. They're due to be officially certified later today, Wednesday. With us today to discuss the current state of play in California's long-running saga to recall Governor Newsom, is Laurel Rosenhall. Laurel is a political reporter and covers California politics for CalMatters with a focus on power and personalities in the Sacramento State Capitol. In 2020, Laurel was included in the Washington Post list of outstanding state politics reporters. Laurel, welcome to the show.
1: happy to be here, thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. Laurel, before we launch into our discussion, could you take a moment to tell our listeners about your background, your biography, and also a little bit about Cal Matters?
1: Of course. I actually grew up in San Francisco, so I'm happy to be on a San Francisco themed show. And I studied journalism at UC Berkeley. And then I came to work at the Sacramento Bee, and I worked there for about a dozen years. I covered education, and then I got into covering state politics. And six years ago, when Matters was being formed, they recruited me, and I have been here with Matters ever since. As you said, I cover state politics, so the legislature, the governor, and other fun stuff that happens in Sacramento. And CalMatters is a nonprofit, nonpartisan digital news operation. We are mostly based in Sacramento, but we do have reporters all over the state. And we are kind of part of a what I would describe as sort of an emerging new ecosystem in the journalism profession which are which are nonprofit newsrooms we do a lot of partnerships and share our content with other news outlets throughout the state and we are supported kind of like in the public radio model where people who appreciate our work make contributions but we are you know not a hardcore subscription based business
0: Laurel, that sounds, thank you very much for that explanation. And it's always great to have a daughter of San Francisco here on the, <laughs> here on the show. The, those of us uh, like yourself from San Francisco or who lived here for a long time know the, the quirks and the foibles and the ins and outs of San Francisco. So again, hearty welcome to A Daughter of San Francisco. Thank you. Let's launch into the recall. Where do we stand and how do you think the campaign is going to unfold?
1: Well, I would say where we stand right now is, you know, it's campaign season. This summer is going to be lots of campaigning. It's already begun. Ballots are going to be going out to voters in mid-August. This is going to be a a by-mail election, similar to the way the election in 2020 was done. So voters will start getting their ballots in the middle of August, and they'll have up until September 14th to get them in. And we are seeing, you know, the candidates who want to try to replace Newsom are busy out there trying to get attention, to show their positions. Some of them are in court trying to kind of fight little battles about how they'll be described on the ballot or what their, whether their nickname can be on the ballot or what their title will be or whether they can be on the ballot. There's one Republican, the name Larry Elder who is, is fighting to kind of get added because he was left off because of a, a, the secretary of state said he didn't properly file his tax returns, which is a new requirement for candidates for governor this year. So candidates are out there campaigning and, Newsom is out there campaigning in a in a very different way. He's out there sort of using every opportunity as governor as the sitting governor to attract attention. So there has been daily, you know, bill signings and budget signings and a lot of kind of high profile stuff. Obviously, people probably saw he was doing the big vaccine lottery, like money giveaway a couple weeks. So he's been very, very visible traveling the state and doing his MO with the recall seems to be to really just make his job as governor as visible as possible. And so he's doing all of this stuff as governor in a much more kind of showy way than we might otherwise see. And the other candidates are doing more of typical campaign appearances. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this recall, this is our second recall in less than 20 years. Our first recall was Governor Gray Davis. I think it was back in 2003. And at that time, we had 135 candidates. We even had some prominent Democrats who were running in the recall election against him. how? Why is there such a big difference between the 03 recall with 135 candidates and prominent Democrats running against the incumbent Gray Davis, and this time around only 40 candidates and no prominent Democrats running against Gavin Newsom? Well, I would say there's probably
1: two reasons for that, and one would be taxes, and the second reason would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. So just to elaborate on both of those, this election is the first time in state history that candidates for governor have to turn in five years of tax returns in order to appear on the ballot. And the reason that that requirement is in place is because Newsom himself signed a law in 2019 that requires it and and at the time you know democrats were very frustrated that president trump had never revealed his tax returns and so democrats in the state capitol passed a bill that would have required candidates both for president and for governor to to make public five years of tax returns if they wanted to have their name on the ballot in california and newsom signed that law Obviously, he knew that he would be sort of forcing his future competitors to reveal more information about themselves. Mm-hmm. But it was also at the time in 2019, it was really seen much more of like a Trump trolling kind of move by Newsom and Democratic legislators. As soon as the bill was signed into law, the Republican Party in California took took Newsom to court over it and they won. But they were only challenging the presidential part of the law. Uh-huh. And the state Supreme Court ruled that the, that the state could not put more requirements on presidential candidates running for ballot. I mean, running for elections. So, so the courts basically threw out that part of the, the, of the law that has to do with presidential candidates. But they didn't touch the part that has to do with candidates for governor. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. I'm sure Newsom had no idea when he signed the law that it would be implemented in a recall election. But he did basically, by signing that law, require that his competitors, his opponents, reveal more information about themselves. And so here we are. This law is being applied to the recall, which itself is kind of strange because the law says it only concerns candidates in a primary election and recall is not a primary election but right. be that as it may they have secretary of state said that candidates had to do this and so a bunch of candidates i mean you know dozens and dozens of candidates did it and 42 of them did it properly according to the secretary of state and so they're on the ballot a 43rd is suing because of the alleged stake that he made. We'll see where we'll see where that one lands. But yeah, I think the the fact of people having to submit five years of tax returns is going to shape the field, right? Some people just won't want to divulge that much personal information. Some people won't really maybe have it together enough to get that much paperwork together. Some people may have done it, but done it incorrectly because things had to be done in a very particular way. So that's one factor, and then the other one I just would say ar- the 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 superstardom of Arnold Schwarzenegger that that Californians saw in twenty in the twenty in the two thousand three recall is just not matched on this one. And mm-hmm. so, to the extent that there may have been candidates back then who were running because of the thrill of sharing having their name on the ballot with Schwarzenegger or being able to sort of follow him around in his campaign bus or anything like that. I mean, we we don't we have we have some well-known personalities on this election, including um, Caitlyn Jenner, reality TV personality and Larry Elder, a conservative talk radio host. But we don't have anyone nearly at all to the level of of Schwarzenegger's stardom. So I think those are the two big reasons.
0: Now, what are what are some of the campaign issues? Of course, we're coming off 16, 17 months of covid lockdowns, economic dislocation, high unemployment rate. But on the other hand, the California economy has bounced back. Certainly tax revenues have bounced back as a result of the high-tech boom and Californians pay way more in capital gains tax which tends to scoop up a lot of tax revenues from high-tech IPOs, etc. So what are the big issues in this in this uh, in this recall wildfires, I guess, economic recovery? What are they?
1: Well, it's really interesting because this recall became a a referendum on Newsom's pandemic response. I mean, that is how it sort of caught the momentum that it that it needed in order to get enough signatures to qualify for the ballot. You know, people it it caught it caught fire with the people who were frustrated about the shutdowns, Frustrated that Newsom, you know, dined at the French Laundry while he was telling the rest of the state, you know, not to get together with your friends and family for Thanksgiving and people who were just frustrated with the mask mandates and and whatnot. And school shutdowns. Let's not forget about that, too. You know, people very frustrated that that children were, you know, in many parts of California, children didn't see the inside of a classroom for 13 months. So there were a lot of impacts from this pandemic in California that were different than they were in other states. But at the same time, it must be pointed out that the people who are the proponents of the recall, who started, who wrote the petition and started gathering signatures, that all started before COVID hit California. Mm -hmm. and their petition doesn't actually say a word about the pandemic. Their petition is focused on pretty typical conservative criticisms of California. They're unhappy that Newsom put a moratorium on use of the death penalty, Mm -hmm. even though voters in the past have upheld the death penalty in California. They're unhappy with California's sort of Immigrant friendly policies that make the state a, a welcoming place for immigrants. They're unhappy with the sort of criminal justice reform kind of approach and the tax structure that puts more um, tax burden on high earners. The official reasons on the recall petition amount to like pretty traditional conservative criticisms of a state that is run entirely by Democrat. As far as what we're seeing on the campaign trail, Mm -hmm. it is, you know, a host of issues. Some candidates are talking about school choice and frustration that California's Democratic leadership are so closely aligned with the teachers union in, in the educational policy realm. We're also seeing some discussion about crime and frustration that there has been an increase in homicides and violent crime and frustration that Newsom has embraced more of a second chances kind of approach in terms of you know he's looking at closing prisons and reducing you know the prison population and then of course wildfire management yes. is 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 a big one that is You know, such a complicated issue because you get into issues around forest management, but also issues around electrical, electrical companies and regulations there. And then the real wild card is what's going to happen with COVID. You know, we're Mm -hmm. at this point right now where it had looked like a month ago that we were getting out of this pandemic and now things are starting to creep up in terms of infections vaccinations are kind of at a plateau and so that's a real wild card how what's going to happen with the pandemic and how that's going to play into this recall and the mood of the voters Mm
0: -hmm. now let's come back to the date the september 14th date now of course that's two weeks after labor day so i would think the whole campaign is going to take place during people's summer vacation late july all of august then you have Labor Day, the first weekend of September, and then all of a sudden you have the you have the vote. So it seems like strategic, it was a smart strategic move to choose an earlier date, i.e. September 14th, rather than wait till November. And of course, a November date would have put us right in the middle of wildfire season. So it looks as though that date was a smart choice on his part. What do you think? But not his part, but I mean the Secretary of State, I should say.
1: Right. I guess. I, I guess we'll see when when what's going on on September fourteenth. It feels so hard to predict the future. Ever since we've been living through a pandemic, definitely the Democrats in the Capitol mobilized to change the law and be able to kind of speed things up with this recall date, and 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 they picked that date with the thinking that. Newsom things were getting better with the pandemic. Things were the recovery was happening. The reopening was happening. Newsom's poll numbers were increasing, and basically like a mindset of like let's get this thing over with as soon as possible. At the same time, you know now that we don't really know exactly what is going to happen. More mask mandates are coming back. Infections are creeping up. I mean, I guess we, we'll we will just. See again, also on school reopenings, I mean, Newsom has been saying consistently for the last couple months that we're going to ha- be doing a full-time in-person school reopening. But to the extent that, you know, if, if the pandemic gets worse and that doesn't actually happen, then maybe September 14th won't end up being such a smart date. Mm-hmm. Really feels hard to predict right now because just because this pandemic is such a
0: wild card. Well, there's no doubt about it. The pandemic has been a wild card. And who knows? I mean, a month ago, September 14th looked like a, a perfect date, but you're right. Exactly. As a result of the pandemic, it's anybody's guess. Where do the polls stand at this point?
1: The polling that we've seen up till now has been pretty consistently in favor of Newsom defeating the recall. And before I it- Get into too much more detail in answering that question. It's important for everyone to keep in mind how a recall ballot is structured, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what questions are the voters going to answer? So, the voters have two questions to answer on a recall ballot. Question number one is Do you want to recall Gavin Newsom? That is a yes, no answer. Mm -hmm. And if you vote yes, that means you're voting to remove him from office. And if you vote no, that means you're voting to keep him in office. Mm And the answer to that question just takes a simple majority of votes. So 50% plus one decides whether or not he's recalled. And so far on the polling, it's been showing far less than 50% want to recall him. The range has been more like, you know, up to about 40% has been saying yes on that question. Mm-hmm. The question number two is, who would you like to replace the governor? Yes. And everyone can answer either question or both questions you you can answer you can answer this you can answer both questions or one or the other it's up to you so then that's where you'll see your list of 40 some odd candidates and you can pick one and on that question it doesn't take a majority to win it just takes a plurality Mm -hmm. so whoever gets the most votes will win and if there is no major front runner and and the votes get very split up then the winner of that second question might be someone who gets like 25 or 30% of the vote amazing so yeah that's that that is just kind of one of the quirks of the system when you ask about the polling the the thing that is really the the biggest factor is turnout. And that's because, so far, the enthusiasm is much more on the side of the people who want to recall him. They're really jazzed about this election. They're paying a lot of attention. They're highly likely to vote and to tell their friends and family to vote. Even though the polling numbers look lower on their side, the turnout might be higher. Mm. Whereas the voters who are more likely to support Newsom are not as much tuned into the fact that a recall is happening and not paying as much attention and there is less likelihood that they're going to turn out. So the the polling again looks like it's in Newsom's favor to defeat the to defeat the the question number 1 and basically remain in office, but the unknown factor is how many of his supporters will actually turn in their ballots.
0: Well, Laurel, in the remaining few minutes left in our podcast, are there any closing thoughts that you have for our listeners in this historic recall of the governor? And you've just outlined a couple of potential wildcards there that could that could dramatically shift the the polls and therefore the outcome.
1: Yeah, I think that the probably the craziest thing about this recall is that. Gavin Newsom's term is up next year anyways so we are going to be sort of sliding if he defeats the recall we will be sliding straight from recall coverage into kind of re-election mode and and I think that this you know has the potential to set him up for a really strong re-election campaign if if he defeats it you know that that he will be seen as pretty untouchable at there will be no democrat who will challenge him you know i would guess in in, in in any kind of reelection campaign but at the same time if he loses this time it, it really could be the, the first time that that the governorship in california goes to a republican in you know in many many years the state hasn't the state hasn't voted for a republican at the statewide level since two thousand six when when Schwarzenegger was reelected. But again, because of the way that someone could win with a plurality, you know, it would be it would be pretty doable for a Republican to get a plurality, if not a majority. And so, you know, if if the recall is successful, then there could be a like one year change of leadership in the state capitol in terms of like there could be a Republican in office for one year.
0: Amazing. Well, Laurel, I would really want to thank you for your insights and your update on this complex recall election. And as you've just outlined, of course, in politics, nothing is for sure. And we would love to have you come back to the San Francisco experience in a few weeks' time when we're in the thick of the campaign to give us another update.
1: Sounds great. Thanks for having me.
0: Wonderful. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit our website at www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com and subscribe. It's free to do so, and by subscribing, all future podcasts will come directly to your inbox. You can also listen to the 175 previous episodes, read my book, peruse my podcast, send me an email, or make a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.